I, I have this theory that like, you know, the reason why Nostra is so much happier and nicer is that, you know, people aren't getting angry stuff, getting pushed in their feet all the time. It's just like regular yeah. people chatting freely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's interesting too that, that, you know, we talk a lot about incentives on this show and how it changes the way we behave. And I've heard this a lot from people on, they just say the quality of discourse on Noster is much better versus something like Twitter. Twitter, again, the algorithms are, are sort of amplifying and suppressing things. And that's, um, I mean, that's a very powerful tool for social engineering. Hey everybody, welcome to the What Is Money Show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, if this is your first time listening to the What Is Money Show, I strongly recommend that you go back to episodes one through nine first, which lays a lot of the groundwork for many of the concepts that we explore on the show. These first nine episodes are my series with Michael Saylor and Thousands of people have told me that this is the best podcast series they've ever heard, hands down, and that it was instrumental to their understanding of money and Bitcoin. So if you're looking to start a deep dive into the nature of money, I don't think there's any place better that you can start other than episode one of this show. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. The What Is Money show is 100% sponsor based. So all of our revenues are derived from direct sponsorships. And I strive to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically only using sponsors that I use personally, and also choosing sponsors that have values which are well aligned to the values expressed on this show, such as freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do now is a few ad reads right at the top of the show, and then I'll do a few more ad reads in the middle. And I hope you'll take the time to listen to them, as again, these are hand-selected sponsors, and I think you'll like what they have to offer. Today's podcast is brought to you by In Wolf's Clothing. Wolf is the first startup accelerator dedicated exclusively to the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Four times per year, Wolf brings teams from around the world to New York City to work with like-minded entrepreneurs, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with Bitcoin and Lightning. The program is designed to help early-stage companies achieve product market fit, develop their brand, secure early-stage funding, and grow businesses that help fuel the global adoption of Bitcoin. So go to wolfnyc.com to learn more about the program or apply. Again, that's WolfNYC, W-O-L-F-N-Y-C.com. William Casserone, welcome to the What Is Money Show. Uh, it's great to be here. Great to have you, man. Uh, so we met at Bitcoin Prague and um, had some interesting conversations. You were educating me a bit about Noster, something I'm not too too familiar on yet. And I thought it'd be a great idea to have you on the show and talk about it a little bit. So just by way of quick introduction, you are the founder of Damas, uh, which I'll let you tell the audience about what that is. And then you're also a Bitcoin and Lightning developer. So maybe we could just start there uh, a little bit about your backstory, how you got into Bitcoin and what your path was into starting Damas. Yeah, so it all the journey began uh, in 2010 for me with Bitcoin. I, I saw a post on Hacker News, I think it was about like this like crazy online currency. I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. And I always love tinkering with technology. So I, I downloaded it and uh, 
I was mining some on my, my GPU in my house, but it got like way too hot. So I had to shut it off. But, um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of like a fun little toy. I didn't really know a lot about, you know, monetary theory or anything. Um, I just thought it was cool. You could send, you know, digital currency over the internet. Um, so yeah, so I kind of, that's where I started and I kind of left it on the back burner for a while. I ended up joining a, a record label actually here in Vancouver called Monster Cat and in 2013. And we started selling our, our uh, albums and music with Bitcoin. I think we were one of the first labels for doing that, which is kind of cool. Um, and then I decided to quit there and in 2016 and right when Lightning Network was coming up to start working on Lightning. So I worked on Core Lightning for a bit. Um, occasional and I oh and occasional contributions to Bitcoin Core and things like that. And then um yeah, and then eventually found Noster, started working on it, founded Domus, and uh here we are. Nice. So could you like people that don't what is I guess what is Domus in relationship to Noster? Because I think a lot of people just download Domus and they think they're on Noster, which I guess they are in a way, but they're not exactly the yeah. same thing. Yeah. So when, when people download Domus, um, they're on Nostra in the same way that when they, when they use Gmail, they're, they're on email. So, okay. you know, email is the underlying protocol. Um, we call that Nostra notes and stuff transmitted over relays. Um, and then the client that I built was for Apple devices. It's called Domus and it's just a client that interfaces with the network. Um, but there are many other clients. There's Amethyst for Android. Um, there's Snort Social, Coracle for, for the web. Um, there's probably like 30 plus clients by now and they're just different ways you can experience the network. Um, yeah. Yeah. So these are like the analogy would be, these are different email providers all using the same protocol, like what SMTP, I guess for email. Yeah. So, um, it's a little bit different than email in the sense, because the email providers in those case, they kind of host, um, they're the ones who host the email. And then kind of when you, when you're, when you're interfacing with their email, you have to go to their servers. Um, so we, we can get into the technical details, but it's a, it's a, it's designed to be more censorship resistant. So, you know, one provider can't shut down your email, um, but you can um, use and you can use your own clients. You don't have to use like, the Gmail client to inter interact with Gmail. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a bit confusing when you first get into it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's the, the gist of it is that it's designed to be a censorship resistant protocol for, uh, for internet communications. Got it. Okay. So another point of confusion with a lot of people is I think there's a common belief that Nostra and Bitcoin are somehow built together or, or Nostra is built on Bitcoin, something like that. But in fact, they are separate. Um, so maybe we just like build it kind of brick by brick, how you approach this whole thing. You said you discovered Bitcoin first. What was your, I guess, aha moment with Bitcoin? And in the namesake of this show, we like to talk about the nature of money a lot. So how did Bitcoin, how did this, how did you discover Bitcoin? And then how did discovering Bitcoin change your views on the nature of money? Yeah, it's really interesting because it's, it really comes down to the people who are in the space. Cause when I first got into Bitcoin, you know, I, th you know, I, I found a lot of nerds, a lot of technical people who just like to build like Linux software and things like that. Um, but when you actually start talking to like the other group of people who joined the network that were non-developers, you know, um, and they start talking about things like, you know, uh, you know, Rothbard and like libertarian stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and then, and then they just, they just asked me one question, like, you know, ask yourself, what is money? And that's, that's literally what got me down rabbit holes when someone mm -hmm. got me to ask that exact question, what is money? Um, and I'm like, wait, yeah, what is money? Is it just that piece of paper in my, like, or what, you know, so you start going down this rabbit hole of like YouTube videos. <laughs> um, and, and then at that point, that's when I realized that the thing that I was just playing with as a toy I needed to treat it with a bit more respect. Um, that came to a certain point once I started learning more about money that I was like, 
oh, maybe I shouldn't be just giving a Bitcoin away to all my friends. <laughs> maybe I should be holding on to these things. And maybe I should think about like what it means that like in, in terms of the, how it's going to increase in value over time. And, you know, and like actually these things are not something you should just give away. They are these very scarce things. Um, and, and that's actually what is important in the system. And, and anyway, so there's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really fully appreciate it until I start, started going down that rabbit hole. Did you have an aha moment with money? Like when you started asking yourself that question, what is money? Was there some particular resource or video or anything that just sort of gave you the epiphany about the nature of money and how important Bitcoin is? It's funny enough. I actually started with Peter Schiff. <laughs> like this is, <laughs> it's funny looking back down, like, oh, he's like, he hates Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as someone new in the space, someone just pointed me to his videos and I started making me think. And then it's actually, yeah. So like these YouTube videos of these people talking about it. Um, and I don't know if there was a particular exact moment, but it was just like watching all these videos about in terms of the scarcity aspect of it. Um, I think eventually it just, it just, I don't know how, I don't know what the exact moment, but yeah, I just, it clicked eventually. Yeah, it's, yeah. Peter Schiff's funny because he's he's a really eloquent guy, and he understands a lot about libertarian principles and how corrupt everything is. But he just has this vendetta or something against Bitcoin, and very pro gold. And I, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I never understood that because if you're a real libertarian thinker, you should appreciate whatever the market is promoting as money. That's what money is, right? It's like whatever the market says it is. And so he's kind of been shaking his fist at the sky at Bitcoin for a long time. Um, yeah, I imagine it's it's basically how Bitcoiners feel about Ethereum people. I imagine, I just I just picture he's in the same boat. Like, you know, Bitcoin to gold is like Ethereum to, to Bitcoin. I don't know. Yeah, 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 it makes sense. Okay, so Noster. Noster is much newer than Bitcoin. Um, it's an acronym. And I, I guess essentially it started out to be a Twitter replacement initially uh, but but it's much more than that so can you just at a high level like explain what Nostra is what the acronym stands for and why it's such a big deal yeah so the the name stands for notes and other stuff and notes and other stuff transmitted via relays or over relays um, and the basic idea is that um, you are you're just sending messages so the, the actual things that are getting sent over this protocol is it's just, just something called JSON messages, which are just like, you know, it has a content, it has a created timestamp, um, it has some tags, you put some metadata on it. Uh, but the most important thing in this piece of data is your um, signature. So whenever you create a piece of data on this network, it's actually signed by your private key, which you keep for yourself. And in some sense, the minute you do that, um, you get a bunch of interesting properties. One, um, no one can tamper with the messages. So that if you like, let's say you broadcast this message to a whole bunch of relays, we call them relays, which are servers that hold these messages, um, then you know those servers can't tamper with them. So whenever people are receiving your messages from around the internet, they know it's from you and they know that you know you did because they can verify your signature. So the minute you do that, um, you quickly realize that um, this is one of the first times in the history of the the internet where it's like we're putting there's like users who are generating data and putting it on these on these services that they actually own in, the, in some sense. Because if you think about every digital content you put up on, I say, let's say like Facebook or Twitter, you know, they, they it's, it's not signed by you. It can be modified by them if they really want to. Like it's, 
not in their interest to do that, but they in theory could do that. So you don't really know the messages that you see online are actually from the people who are sending it. Like that's a kind of a weird philosophical point that not a lot of people think about because they just assume that would never happen. But you know, that's an important, that's one important part. Um, but another important part is that, um, since the, since it's your data in some sense, then, um, you can actually take all, all the data you ever sent and back it up. So you can actually, in the same way that you can in, in Bitcoin, where you have an entire record of all your transactions that, is, that are yours because it's controlled by your keys. In Nostra, you have the same same thing, but it's with um, every piece of communications you put out there on the internet. So whether it's a tweet, whether it's like your contact, your social list, like that's actually a pretty important piece of data, which is all the people you're connected to. Um, so just the fact that you have control over your data again, and you can tell, and you can say where it goes, and 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 that, and you can say that no one's allowed to modify it, then um, you set yourself up for a really interesting system. Where, yeah, where the user is in control of their data versus mm. the company. So it's like, it's, it's like this, it shifts the power dynamic where the people can't like profit off you as easily because they don't control the data. The users mm. control the data. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so it's Nostr is basically a decentralized messaging system, I might say, versus a centralized social media and other platforms. Yes. So the thing that makes it decentralized is, um, is the relays aspect of this network. So when I said that, you know, when you're broadcasting these messages, like where are you sending them to? Um, so in, in every other um, type of situation like Facebook or Twitter, you're sending it to one server, typically like their server and they control it. And then they can even say things like, oh, you're not allowed to post this message here. Or they can do things like, oh, well, you posted a nipple on your Instagram thing. So we're going to take that thing down. Mm -hmm. Right. So they have ultimate, they have, they have full control over that message on their server. And that's because you're only sending it to one server. So in Nostra, we do things differently. Instead of sending it to one relay, you send it to like 10 different relays at once. And they're all would be run by different people. Typically, you wouldn't be sending it to all, um, you know, service control by the same, same person. Cause that's not the point. The whole point is that you're just, dis you're distributing your messages and to the point where not any single relay owner can shut you down. So yeah, mm -hmm. individual owners can, they can shut you down, but, um, other people can connect to all the relays that you're connected to and still pull down messages, even if one relay bans you. So this gives you this censorship resistant property where, um, as long as you're broadcasting your messages to enough relays, then it's really hard to, to be censored. Right. That makes sense. And so I guess with these central parties, right, using like Facebook as an example, they basically own your data. So you're producing messages and engagement, whatever interactions on their platform, you, the user don't own the data. You actually, they're actually selling your data and your attention to advertisers. Um, there's an old saying that I always like to mention here is like, when, when the product is free, you're the product. Yeah. So we use Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, for free as users. And we think we're users, but we're actually the product, right? We're, our attention is what's being sold to advertisers and that's what makes that business model work. So the Noster paradigm is like an entire, entirely new communication means of communication, something like that, where the user owns their data rather than the centralized host. And that that's that that's where it's consistent with the ethos of Bitcoin effectively, because Bitcoin does something sort of similar where you're not broadcasting transactions through a central through a bank, right? That can censor or flag or reverse your transaction. It's actually being broadcast to the network and the network's um propagating that. Um is is the the architecture between the two, is it similar in that way? Or is that just um, kind of a coincidence or like, I guess is Nostra inspired by Bitcoin in that sense? 
Yeah. So the design of Noster is quite different um, than Bitcoin. So with, with Bitcoin, what happens is when you broadcast a transaction, um, you actually end up broadcasting to, to a bunch of peers. So, you know, mm -hmm. other nodes that are running. Um, and these, these peers, they collect these transactions into their mempools. Um, but, uh, and then eventually, you know, miners get, you know, they take this mempool and they put it into a block and then they broadcast this block and everyone in the network gets the updated state. Um, so in, in Bitcoin, there's a very, it's very centralized in some sense, in the sense that the mining operation itself is centralized in terms of like what's who just, you know, I mean, the actual algorithm that decides what next block gets on there is, mm. is decentralized, but you know, there is a single state that's getting updated. But in Nostr, um, there's no single consensus mechanism. You know, you could have a different state on what this part of the network, a different state on this part of the network. You know, you could have a relay that's hosting like Instagram like photos or another relay that's just, you know, really into like far right or far left, you know, politics. Uh, but there's no, you know, global consensus by any means. Gotcha. Okay. So it never achieves because Bitcoin achieves this universal single state, right? Eventually the yeah. blockchain is what the blockchain is or the time chain yeah. is what the time chain is. But Nostr is not necessarily like that. You can have different yeah. states operating in parallel. Yeah. Is it, in some sense, you know, that is the important aspect about Bitcoin is that we all have a shared state of like, you know, the ledger. Um, that's yeah. actually really important. And it's a reason that why Bitcoin is designed that way. Um, but we don't really need that in, in uh, a communications network. You know, there's right. no expectation on the internet that, you know, all the websites are versioned and then we can go to the next state of the next website and everyone agrees on, you know, it's just, you know, the nature of the internet is decentralized. Information is decentralized. Um, so it's much more of like a free market structure where you have, you know, lots of different parties doing different things, um, building different things and they all, they all can all interact with each other. So we, mm -hmm. we use an underlying protocol that allows us to communi communicate with each other. Uh, but you can, but innovation can happen, you know, in parallel and people can do different things on this network. Um, so I, yeah, I definitely want to get into that in terms of how, you know, you know, how would you start off as a, you know, as a Twitter replacement, but it actually is a much more general thing where you can build, you know, these internet like applications that all talk to each other and it's all interoperable. Um, so yeah, there's lots of exciting possibilities on this network. Yeah. And that, so that's necessary because again, Bitcoin is money. So you have to have a global consensus on who owns what, right? Like who owns which UTXOs, but Nostr is just information. Information's non-scarce, unlike Bitcoin. So you don't need that global consensus necessarily. You just really want the censorship resistance so people can't stop yeah. other people from saying things. Yeah. And this is where, you know, I think we, our ethos very much aligns with the Bitcoin community. You know, this protocol was built by a Bitcoiner who was working on lightning stuff. Um, there just happens to be why there's a lot of, of Bitcoiners in this protocol because, you know, they see that Bitcoiners, you know, they, they like censorship resistance. They like, they don't like when a single party has unilateral control to like censor people for, for given for, for, for certain transactions like monetary transactions or, or and but i think we think that you know speech online is just as important as you know you know you, sh you shouldn't be able to censor that and, and people don't like when these companies have control over you know your social graph or you know mm. increasingly people are are making a living online and imagine it and this getting to the point now where if they're afraid to say the wrong thing that you know people are censoring themselves because mm -hmm. There's this possibility if they say the wrong thing, they're going to take off the advertisers, they're going to get demonetized and get deplatformed. Um, so it's actually really corrupting, um, you know, us being humans because, right. you know, we just, humans want to be free. We want to be able to express ourselves in, in the ways that we want to express ourselves. But if if advertisers are, you know, deplatforming and they're demonetizing based off of things they don't like, then it's, it just, I feel like that's just really corrupt, uh, corrupting um, kind of content creator creation in general.
Yes, yeah, a great point. That's so maybe we could say Noster is a very potent First Amendment technology, right? It's like actually letting us have free speech without the threat of censorship. And, the, and to your point, the threat of censorship actually causes content creators to self-censor because especially if they're making money off whatever they're creating, you don't want to show the nipple or whatever the thing is that's going to get you deplatformed because that's like a career risk at that point. Yeah. Um, and so Noster just gives people a platform that they don't have to worry about that. They can be themselves. They can speak freely. And and I feel like you, when you first join Nostra, you you get a very different sense of because you don't get the sense that people are just or that it's like corporate white whitewash or like you know it, it's actually just people just being themselves and not worrying about um, you know being censored you know and, and it really changes the vibe you know people on Nostra yeah. seem to be very so it seems to be much happier there um, and maybe maybe the this, the aspect of anger or you know these negative emotions on social networks is because like, the algorithms are pushing people. To that content, right? Mm. You know, right now on Nostra, there's actually not a lot of algorithms. Um, but you know, when you see this like you know racy or interesting piece of content, that's like you know people are fighting. Now, whenever I open up X nowadays, it's like you know there's fight videos on my feed, and I'm guessing it's because the algorithm is pumping that up because people click it when they see it. Mm. Um, you know, so it's getting people angry. These algorithms are making people angry. Um, and yeah, so I, I have this theory that like you know the reason why Nostra is so much happier and nicer is that you know people aren't getting angry stuff getting pushed in their feet all the time. It's just like regular yeah. people chatting freely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's interesting too that, that, you know, we talk a lot about incentives on this show and how it changes the way we behave. And I've heard this a lot from people on, they just say the quality of discourse on Noster is much better versus something like Twitter. Twitter, again, the algorithms are, are sort of amplifying and suppressing things. And that's, um, I mean, that's a very powerful tool for social engineering and so if we strip away or i guess largely strip away the possibility of that then you get people being themselves speaking freely and that obviously uh seems to be a good thing <laughs> we want dissenting views and um people be being able to speak their mind without the threat of being coerced or or losing their income or whatever it may be um yeah okay and yeah and, it, and it's not that algorithms are necessarily bad it's just what, what's actually bad is that there's only one algorithm and right. you don't get to choose. Um, so this is something we've, we're starting to explore a lot more now in, uh, in Domus and the upcoming versions, which is, can you build a free market for algorithms where you, the user, if they just want an unfiltered, you know, chronological feed, they can do that. Or maybe you can choose from a, your favorite algorithm. Um, so it should be a choice for the user. There, yeah, there we go. More freedom, more options for the user versus just being subjected to some centralized algorithm that's really invisible, right? Like you, you yeah. log into X and you don't know, you don't know what algorithms deciding what you're seeing and what you're not. Um, whereas in the Nostra world, you get more of a free market sort of selection. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, iCoin Technology. iCoin has just released a sleek new hardware wallet. It looks like a mini iPhone, a little touch screen and camera on it. Uh, the device has no Wi-Fi, no cellular connection, no GPS. It's a strictly physically cold hardware wallet. Uh, like I said, it's got a high-res three-inch touchscreen. It's got a camera for air gapping the wallet. Uh, it's got optional Bluetooth compatibility. And it's a really a, a brand new UI UX experience for a hardware wallet, making it very accessible, easy to use, not intimidating. And as we always talk about on this show, the only way you can truly own your Bitcoin is by having it in self-custody. So you need a device like iCoin Wallet to truly own your Bitcoin. 
Go to iCoinTechnology.com today and use promo code BITCOIN23 for 30% off of this new sleek hardware wallet. That's really cool. Okay, so Damas, again, by way of analogy, is kind of like a, and correct me anywhere I'm wrong here, is a client for running Noster. So what is what is Damas? What is it about, like, what are you trying to build at Damas that's special for running Noster? Yeah, I mean, so when I started Noster, you know, I was working on Lightning at the time, and I realized that um, the biggest issue with Lightning is that no one really knows about it. And, and this is something I just kept running into over and over is that, you know, how do you get people to actually use this network, this Lightning network, which is like this amazing, you know, instant peer-to-peer, censorship resistant, you know, ways of sending micro value over the internet. And I just kept thinking of like the best way, I think, I was like, I just wish I had that as a button on my Twitter client. I just wanted to like, you know, zap. Um, so that's what started making me think. I'm like, well, maybe I should try like, and, and I've always really been interested in like uh, censorship resistant, you know, protocols. So I was, I was on Macedon for a while. The biggest issue with Macedon and, and the Fediverse um, is, you know, you have very strong uh, self-censorship properties um, mm. like, like what we were talking about, because the way that that network is set up is that each there's a bunch of different um, instances. And we don't need to get into it, but it's a, it's a different design. And each instance has their own admin. And if you say the wrong thing, the admin can basically boot you off and you lose your entire social graph. So I was looking for a solution to that problem, which is like, how do I keep my social graph? I, I don't want, I don't want like someone, some instant admin to ban me and have to start over again. So, yeah, so that's where I came across Noster. I'm like, wow. So this actually solves that problem that Macedon has. And, you know, I was working in Lightning at the time and I'm like, well, what if we, okay, so we, we fixed the problem with Macedon um, and I want to integrate Lightning into some things. Like, why don't I try building a client for, for this, this new network that Fiat Jaff was building? That's what, that's how I started because there was no, there's no mobile client at the time. So I'm like, well, I've never made a mobile, mobile app before. So I'm like, I started just my first shot and just tried to build one. So it was uh, mostly for fun. And then, yeah, so got it working and then it seemed to work. It was very simple. Um, and that's the thing that really initially just caught my attention with this protocol is that it's so simple. It's very rare that a protocol is simple. Like even Bitcoin is a very complicated protocol. It'd, it'd be very hard to build a Bitcoin node from scratch because there's mm. a lot going on. But anyone can build uh, a Nostra client in like an afternoon. Mm. Um, so all of these things kind of like, it just made, started to make so much sense. You mentioned Zap there. What? Yeah. What is a Zap? What? And ha- so Bitcoin is being... Again, correct me if I'm wrong. Bitcoin's being transacted through Damas on Noster via Zaps. Zaps are basically money attached to messages or engagements or interactions. How does that work? How does how does Bitcoin how do flows of Bitcoin how are they facilitated on Noster or Damas? Yeah, so um yeah, so once after I built Damas, I'm like, well, we need to get this this button in there. We we're trying to figure out what we're going to call it. I think there was like a bunch of words were thrown around. We're going to call them bolts or you know something. But I'm luckily we we settled on zaps because we feel like um, if we called them tips, then you would only get tips. We really want zaps to be like the the commerce um, engine of of Noster. Um, so we feel like you can buy things with zaps. Anyway, so what are zaps? <clears throat> so the, just to the nature of this protocol is that anyone kind of can extend it. Um, so each message on this network. Um, has it as a number attached to it? It's called the kind. So by default, whenever you send a tweet, it's kind one. It's just it basically just means a text message. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other kinds of messages. There's a contact list, which is kind three. There's a profile, which you can say your name and your um, your Nostra address and things like that. So that's kind kind zero. 
Um, so I was like, well, we need some way to represent, um, you know, a receipt of lightning payment. Mm-hmm. So I came up with a spec called the zap spec, which all it is, is whenever your lightning node node receives payment to, in a, to a specific type of invoice, your lightning node will send a Nostra node to the network that mm-hmm. that's basically, yeah, just a receipt that it was paid. Um, so other clients can then pull down that note and show it in the client and say like, oh, um, you know, this was actually paid and there's like a proof that's associated with it. It was mm. signed by the lightning node. Um, so yeah, it's just a way to, to show that something was paid and, and, and represent that information within the network. Got it. So you're, you're piggybacking on the lightning network to basically, in the same way lightning moves sats pretty fast, seamlessly and easy. You basically integrated that into, into Nostra or Damas so that people would do that on, in social media applications and really anything, any type of client they could build. Yeah. And, it, and it's an open spec. So, you know, if you go to the, we have something called the NIPS repo, which is um, Nostra improvement um, possibilities. And, you know, it shows how, you know, it defines the note type. It defines how you actually send these notes. Um, and then, so yeah, once I, once you, once I built that spec, there's now probably 10 or 20 clients that have integrated zaps. So that's why every, anytime you see a, a Nostra client, they all have the zap button because um, we all can all interoperate using the same data. Um, so I think that's the most important aspect of Nostra. When, when we're talking about Nostra, we're really talking about the data that is flowing through the network. Mm. Um, so the data is an important part of the protocol in the same sense that Bitcoin has a Bitcoin transaction um, and blocks and things like that. So the, the piece of data within this network are these are these signed messages that can be of any kind. And there's no reason why it had to be Bitcoin, right? There could have been an Ethereum zap or like, ugh, you know, heaven forbid, <laughs> or like a fiat, uh, fiat zap, you know, like Stripe zaps. I don't know. Um, you know, you can, you can put any type of information in this network and, um, but yeah, it's very general in that sense. It's not dependent on Bitcoin. Got it. Do you think, um, is there a larger paradigm shift maybe underway here where messaging systems of the future will always have, maybe not always, but often have bits of money attached to them because this, this kind of changes the way we do messaging too, right? I've, I've thought often, you know, I have a lot of communication channels, I'm typically overwhelmed by them, like DMs, texts, Telegram, you know, blah, blah, blah. there's just all these communication channels, hard to keep up with them, difficult to prioritize what's important. And I thought, you know, if someone could like attach a little bit of money to these things, then all of a sudden you could start bidding for top of inbox and handle prioritization that way. Is there, is that uh, a future that you see with technologies like this? Absolutely. The minute you have these pieces of data in the network, you, you clients can then use it um, as a way to, you know, prioritize the message in your inbox, right? Mm. Uh, one of the one of the clients I'm working on, I really want to build like an email like replacement on Nostr. And but yeah, the biggest issue with email is that you just get so much spam. Mm. Um, so imagine if you, you know, if your night lightning node sees that someone, you know, paid an, an, a particular email, it could bump it up in your in your inbox list. So that's something I'm probably gonna have in Domus. So, you know, zap gated DMs and zap gated message threads and things like that. Um, it just, you know, these are the types of things you can do now on on this network. So yeah, I do believe that it's going to be the, a great way to fight spam in the future. And so that would like perhaps even bring some clarity to managing all these various messaging channels, and that you could just say, "Hey, prioritize by how much money is on each one." Yeah, I'm imagining like some super famous person that gets tens of thousands of messages a day. He or she could just like sort it, like, "Oh, just show me the ones that are highest paid." And then it would give them a priority, like, oh, I'll start, start at the top and work my way down. You think messaging in general would go that direction over time? I think for people who get a lot of messages, it makes just makes a lot of sense. I think for most people like 
you know, most people actually don't get a lot of messages. I don't think maybe they do, but no. um, yeah, for like, if you, if you have high volume messages, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely think we're going there and we're going to have that in Dama soon. So. That's cool. Okay. Um, so when we met, I think it was actually, we met in Prague and then we went to Oslo Freedom Forum after that. And that's when you guys had this little debacle with the iOS app store. Um, and you guys were kicked off or threatened to be kicked off of the app store for content based tipping. What happened with that? What was the resolution? What was the reasoning behind it? Um, and is that a problem for the proliferation of, of Noster and, and Damas? Yeah. So yeah, like you said, right when we, uh, you know, I went right after Prague, we went to the Oslo Freedom Forum and, you know, the first day when I woke up, I got a message from Apple support and they said, we're going to remove your app from the app store in, in, in 14 days, unless you remove the, the zap button on post. Um, so this pissed me off because, you know, I literally, the reason I built Damas was to, for that button. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew what would happen if we removed it because we had it in the profile before and just no one went to the profile to click it. And you see this on X too, on, on Twitter. Um, people don't go to the profile and press that button because it's just not in your face. But then when it's on the note, you know, you can actually signal your value that you'd like to note so much. It's it's such a very powerful thing. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so the the thing that they, they the guideline that they said that we were violating was um we're encouraging um, you know, sale of sales of digital content. Just for so just because that button was there, we're actually encouraging sale of digital content, which I think is actually just completely ridiculous and doesn't make any sense because you know, when you tip something, you're not, you're not buying it. It's already there. It's like, you're just mm. tipping. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it doesn't really make sense that like, in, I think their reasoning is like, in theory, you could use it for selling things, but like, you could do that on any app over DMs. Yeah. Like, you know, um, so I, I thought about it some more and I realized, I think it's just, you know, it's their way of fighting back against this because, um, even though the guideline doesn't make sense, this is a huge threat to Apple. If, if people started using like freedom money for tipping, it'd be very easy to get around Apple Pay for most things. Um, so I feel like it's their way of kind of like fighting back against the proliferation of Bitcoin microtipping within their ecosystem. Um, that's the only conclusion I could come to. And so, yeah, we eventually had to remove it. Um, so it's still on the profile. Um, so I'm, I'm th- thinking of ways of getting it back. Maybe there's a way where you can like, um, you know, use Apple Pay to buy, pay, to get some sats within the app and then you can use sat- those sats to tip. But, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a battle, I think. But I think Apple should just embrace, you know, they should think different and they should just embrace Lightning, right? There's no reason it's an open protocol. They, they could easily integrate it into Apple Pay. Um, and I would happily use Apple Pay for for tipping, right? If, if they just, but I'm not going to use like their censored and like very highly restricted payment system that doesn't work in most places in the world. So, mm. yeah, Apple thinking different, right? Isn't that what that used to be their, their, their motto for a while? Um, that's my way of mocking them these days. <laughs> I just throw that in there. So this is like so these apps were replacing likes, or at least giving you another option. Rather than just liking a post, yeah. you could actually signal, give you a higher signal like by contributing actual economic value, right? Via Sats. And it and it was a very good indicator. Like I knew that like what people actually cared about because I could you know there was real value assigned to it. Yeah, in the in probably in like February in the early days, I was probably making like five thousand to ten thousand bucks just off apps. And I'm like, I'm not even, I'm not even a huge like influencer or anything. I'm just like, I have like maybe a hundred thousand followers on on Australia. Imagine if you're a huge like entity on and you're 
and who are who's using Zapta. I think it 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 could actually solve the issue with um, advertisers that are you know mm-hmm. using people and and like and the, all these self censorship issues that you're seeing. Um, anyway, so I, I I truly believe that like you know right after we released this feature, about like a month later, like uh, X or Twitter had this feature for like paying out with advertisement. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even, I even asked Jack and like, you know, does Elon know about Nostra? And he's like, he's like, oh yeah, uh, he's paying attention. So I, I truly think that they're, they're paying attention to Nostra and, and they're kind of competing with us in some sense. Hmm. So the fear then inside of these centralized platforms is that people are going to use open source freedom money instead of their closed source. Um, I guess in the case of Apple, it's Apple pay and X will have its own currency or whatever it may be. That's, that's sort of the existential potential existential threat to these platforms it's just strange to me because you know i was talking with people at the freedom forum you know people in you know africa and you know and they were relying on these technologies just to like you know fund their local like well building and things like that they mm-hmm. saw the value and they, they instantly saw the value um especially in 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 some parts of africa where the, the banking is so shattered and out there telling me and they basically rely on bitcoin because their banks just don't work mm-hmm. um and so it just doesn't make sense to me that why Apple would want to take thirty percent. Um, so this is the big this is the big thing, right? For them to the reason why they want you to use Apple Pay is they get to take the thirty percent off digital transactions. Mm. First of all, a why do they think they deserve thirty percent of every single um, transaction online? That seems like absolutely insane, especially if like a lot of the times like you know the the things that the things that people are zapping on these apps are like fundraisers for these mm-hmm. people. Um, so they think they deserve thirty percent of all these like fundraisers that are going on in the app, which is. It's just it's just really greedy and also just bizarre. I don't like third anyway. So I just it's strange to me because they're like a trillion dollar company. Why did they care to take thirty percent of like this well fundraiser in Africa? Yeah, it's like uh, I mean I guess because they're sort of like natural data mo- monopolies to some extent, so they just can charge whatever they want because they have the network effects. Is there any anything on the horizon that can help us get around the counterparty risk of these data monopolies? stopping zaps or things like zaps and always trying to force people into their payment networks um i I guess another way of saying that is like you reduce counterparty risk by introducing i mean that's what bitcoin and nostra are doing effectively but we still have this counterparty risk of the app store itself yeah you know getting kicked off the app store or being having your product censored or controlled or or limited by by these uh central platforms is there any line of sight on something to get around that in the future? This is why I think these protocols are, are such a powerful weapon against these monopolies because you can't stop you can't stop zaps. Like on Domus, you can still receive zaps from Android users and from web users mm. um, because you know there's not a central place where Apple can pressure Domus to say you have to remove it for everyone. It's no, it's an open protocol. It's an open network. Um, so I think. Yeah, it's that's the that's the power of, of these open networks, and yeah, I think I think Apple has an up, uphill battle ahead of them if they think they're going to stop this thing because it's it's people are only going to keep zapping. Um, it's going to be like trying to ban the hyperlink in the browser. Like it's just a piece of technology. It's it's mm. not it's not something they can stop, right? So that's just my attitude. So it's just too simple, too useful that you know. Be- they try to censor it or stop it, more people are going to demand it and then other products and solutions pop up to work around it. Yeah. And normally I wouldn't say that this would be a thing that would happen because like, okay, Nostra is pretty niche obscure technology, but um, it's technology that has very powerful network effects um, 
ramps in, in that inside of it. So for instance, when you're, if you want to build a new app, like, like let's say you want to build a new social app, um, it's actually really hard to like build up your user base to compete against Facebook and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, with Noster, if you build a new, um, this social network app right now on Noster, you basically get the entire network effects that already exist, um, that are growing every day. Um, so you can create a new experience on the network that, and then, and, and get more and more users. So someone could create a viral app on Noster and then Domus user would, would benefit from that because I would see their content as well. Cause all the data is, is free flowing, right? And it's mm-hmm. not controlled by a single. Um, so I think people are underestimating the power of that in terms of what that means for building on this network. Mm-hmm. And once more and more apps have Zap integrated, cause it's just a, it's just like a hyperlink. It's like, like a part yeah. of the protocol, then it's going to be harder for them to justify, um, preventing it, I think, because it's just going to be everywhere. It's going to be ubiquitous. So I think that's, is, mm. that's my war path going forward is like, mm. just make zaps in everything. And then it's just going to be, it's, it's not going to make sense to ban it. Right. They have to start banning everything basically, which would yeah. self-destruct the, the app store ecosystem. That makes sense. People would just like, well, I'm just going to get an Android, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. To, it's, hard, it's hard. I don't know. If, I don't know if zaps is going to win people over from using their iPhones, but yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a tough one. It is a tough one because people get really locked into certain products, um, especially when you're familiar with it, right? That there's a, a big impediment, let's say going from iPhone to Android because you have to relearn everything. Yeah. Um, no, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Okay. So now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Wasabi Wallet. With Wasabi Wallet, you can receive, send, and store Bitcoin privately. In Wasabi Wallet, your transaction history and wallet balance are completely hidden. Wasabi Wallet is easy to use. All of its privacy features are built in by default, and it works with any amount of Bitcoin. Wasabi users can make CoinJoin transactions together with BTC Pay server users or Trezor Suite users. For BTC Pay server users, they can make payments directly inside of a CoinJoin. And for Trezor Suite users, you can make CoinJoins directly on a hardware wallet. These features result in the fee savings and security improvements for both sets of users. So go to wasabiwallet.io today to download the state-of-the-art Bitcoin privacy wallet. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Casa. Casa makes it simple to buy and secure your Bitcoin without wondering whether you're doing it right. Specifically, Casa provides a multi-key custody solution, which is by far the most secure way to custody your Bitcoin. Now, when I talk about Bitcoin being theft-proof money or inviolable private property, a multi-key custody model is exactly what I am talking about. Using multiple keys lets you maintain full control of your Bitcoin while also giving you redundancy in case you lose one of the keys. It's also the best way to secure your Bitcoin for inheritance planning purposes. So go to keys.casa, that's C-A-S-A, today to sign up and use discount code breedlove. Noster and Bitcoin are complementary um, in the ways you've described here. What in I guess in what specific ways does Noster complement Bitcoin? And offline you mentioned too that Noster is really useful for orange billing people in a scalable way. What did you mean by that? Yeah, so like I think the biggest thing is that we need as Bitcoiners, we need some ways to get people to get Bitcoin in people's face in faces, like other than just like saying to go get a hardware wallet and to play with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people don't care. People are not gonna just gonna like get a hardware wallet that's expensive or like download a Bitcoin wallet unless they know people who have Bitcoin or there's stores they can use. 
to buy the coin? Like, how do you even get the coin? You have to go to a complicated exchange. And um, so th the reason why I think it's really powerful to have these apps within a social app is like, it's really easy to get on board in Nostra. You basically download a client, it generates a private key. There's no signup process. You don't have to put an email in. Um, so you can get people into the system right away. And A, it's like, it's fun. Like they can chat with people, they can do likes and stuff like that. But then every now and then they'll say like, oh, what is this like? Oh, someone just sent me, you know, a thousand sats. Like that was cool. The people are actually getting non KYC sats. It's actually one very mm. big underestimated um, avenue for getting earnings sats. They're your first sats, right? So we're seeing this on that work. We're seeing like dot ETH, like people who are joining, they're like, oh, wow. You know, I didn't know Lightning Network is so, so easy, right? So just making it easy, putting in people's faces, I think um, it's a really scalable way to, to orange build people just because, you know, you're just putting it in front of their face all the time. And in some sense, that's was one of the main goals of Domus was to orange pill the world and, or at least just like, and one, another effective way to orange pill the world, because I truly believe Bitcoin will, you know, make the world a lot better. And if I can, if I can show people that in a, in a way that's just, it's fun and easy and just make it fun. And, um, a lot of the time when they're using Domus, they don't even, they don't even realize it's Bitcoin. They just see mm -hmm. zaps. They're like, oh, cool. I'm getting zaps. Like, what are these? I have zaps in my wall of Satoshi. And then they start learning like, oh, wow, this is actually money. I can send this to my bank account through an exchange. And then people start to like, wow, that's where it hits them, right? It gets much more powerful. And, uh, but you don't have to like do that right away. They can, you can kind of build them up to it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Getting, I guess, getting people accustomed to using something in a consumer facing app, this sort of backdoor orange pills them, right? Versus trying yeah. to get them into Bitcoin. And then, yeah. yeah, it seems like that would definitely impact a lot more people. Um, it's funny too, how every, almost every Bitcoiner I talk to, no matter what business they're in, they find a way to turn their business into an orange pilling machine somehow. Like even guys working in real estate, like things you would think have nothing to do with Bitcoin. Um, strange how Bitcoin <laughs> affects us like that. Um, so censorship was a major problem today, especially in the post-pandemic world. Um, what are the problems with censorship in cyberspace? And does getting away from centralized communication systems and platforms, how does it help? How does it help reduce censorship? Yeah, I mean, we touched on a, a, a few of the aspects of this already, but, um, you know, we spend so much of our time as humans, like increasingly like online. And, you know, a lot of people are working remotely now. Um, a lot of people's businesses are, you know, basically selling stuff online. And it's becoming increasingly important that, you know, the rights that we enjoy in, in, in meat space, um, we should have, we should actually try to preserve those when going into the cyberspace where we're finding, we're spending increasing amounts of time. Um, and I think that, you know, people are, are joining these systems like these Facebooks and Instagram and you know, they're, they're running their businesses on them and they're actually not as free as what, what, what kind of like our uh, founding fathers like fought for in some sense, mm -hmm. like people like mm -hmm. fought wars to, to get to where we are today. And then we're just kind of throwing it all away and forgetting those principles in, just because it's like, okay, well, we're in a digital realm so that, you know, now you're, you have a corporate owner and now they're the masters and like, and people seem to like, don't mind as much, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's, I think people need to think about, um, you know, we should still try to strive to fight for these important things. And maybe one way to do that is through technology. Um, you know, there's the, I think the only way we had it before was just kind of, okay, well, you just jump to a different competitor who wasn't abusing you as much. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but I think we need more powerful like underpinnings and under uh, technologies that we're building our 
you know, cyber structures on, on top of mm. versus just re- relying on hopefully the next company is going to be nicer. So, yeah. yeah. So this, I mean, maybe this is the only way to create true freedom of speech in cyberspace. Cause anytime you're interacting through a centralized intermediary, you're going to, f- you're going to be at the whim of that intermediary, right? If they decide to censor you or if a country pressures them to censor you, I think we already saw Elon give in to some pressure from Turkey to to suppress and censor certain communications. Um, what? So, if that's the only way we can create true freedom of speech in cyberspace, what is the importance of that? I mean, this is as important as the First Amendment in the United States. And if we don't have it, then you know what problems do we face? I would I would I would I'd probably phrase it slightly differently in the sense that. Um, like we, because the internet is decentralized, right? So if you if if people are censoring you, you can spin up a website and you can yeah. like you know, host it there. I think what Nostra represents it's the first censorship resistant, um, uh, basically freedom of speech technology that ha- has the network effects that that you know that we think that these large central institutions they they are the only ones who could have these network effects because um, you know because everyone's there, everyone's in one spot. Mm-hmm. So I think what Nostra represents is like. It's not because not just decentralization, but it's like decentralization with the network effects. And and if you don't have those network effects, then you you just lose against the centralized um, institutions. Um, so I think that that's an important that's the important part. And you know when you when you're talking about free speech and you want to get your message out to the people, if you don't have those network effects, then you're kind of just like ignored. You you know your voice just goes in the wind. Um, so I think it's really important to maintain that aspect um, in a free speech um, protocol online. Mm. And how important that is, I mean, it's like. You know, I, I don't think you can have, you know, a functioning free society without a uh, free flow of like true information. And um, that's like not heavily censored by advertised corporations and advertisements. Anyway, so I think, yeah, I think it's pretty important. Yeah, I think freedom of speech and freedom of really money, like these are two quintessential forms of expression, right? If you can't say what you think or say what you want without fear of coercion and you can't save your economic energy and spend your economic energy as you want, then you're also, uh, you're just not free. Basically, it's not possible to be free without these two modes of expression. Um, okay. Noster, again, kind of very new niche technology, somewhat technical for that reason. Can you try and simplify Noster from a technical perspective for a non-technical audience? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah, we we touched on a whole bunch of it a, a few times throughout the, yeah. through, throughout the whole uh, podcast, but um, yeah, I mean, I feel I still think the best analogy is is email um, in the sense that you know you have your email client, um, which is either Outlook or Gmail, and you know that's your that's your interface, that's the way you you interact with the underlying protocol, which is mm-hmm. which is email, and that's the actual inf- messages that are flowing back and forth. Um, the the main the main issue with these types of protocols is that, you know, the data is still controlled by that central entity. Like, you know, Gmail has your messages and, um, and they control them and then they're not, they're not your data. It's their data in some sense. Yeah. You can pull down your messages, but, um, you know, they could have been modified, you know, so this is where the signatures are important. Um, so yeah, at the base level, it's a way to have, you know, signed messages that you control and that you're sending to many different relays, um, so that you get that censorship resistant property. Mm. Um, but I, what I, what I think one thing I didn't really talk about that much, which I really want to talk, touch on is this aspect of 
in some sense, the, uh, the, the web itself, you know, the web was created because we wanted some ways to like view documents and, uh, on a, on an internet network. Right. And so that's what the web was really designed to do was like just browsing documents that you from mm-hmm. reading. It was not only meant for, um, for applications. Right. So eventually we hacked on applications onto the web mm-hmm. and it's, it's a hack. Like if you look at how apps work, it's like very inefficient, very slow, uses a lot of memory. You open up your tab, like what is Slack? It's like eight gigabytes when you're running. Um, it's not really optimized for that. Um, so what I, another one thing that one way that I see Nostra is that it's actually a new type of internet for applications that are all interconnected. Um, hmm. So a, a typical website is not, um, it's not connected to any other websites. It doesn't know how to talk to, you know, facebook.com doesn't know how to talk to like Gmail. Um, well, they might by sending email, but um, what Nostra represents is that we have this common language for applications. So my application can talk to your application. Mm. Um, and this opens up this huge new area of, of the internet. It's like a new web um, for, for building, for building mm. applications that talk to each other. So I think we're just starting to explore that. You know, there's a bunch of examples of this. So one guy, one guy named Pablo within the network, he's experimenting with different types of notes. Um, so one of the things he's doing is, uh, he wrote this plugin for a browser where you can highlight any snippet of text in on a website or anywhere, and then it will broadcast that as a note to the to the network. So now in in Domus, I can actually like consume that data. So that that data was broadcasted by that application. It generated a new piece of data, and now Domus can consume like you know highlights from the web. Um, mm. So there's one example where like innovations can happen on this network, and then other applications can take advantage of it because it's all using the same data language. Mm. Um, so what I so to me what Nasha represents is like a new type of internet. And for building an internet of applications um, that is built on foundations of, you know, user owning their data and, you know, self-sovereign, uh, self-sovereignty. Um, so it has all these amazing properties that, you know, libertarians and Bitcoiners will love. And then it's also like a new set of internet where you can build stuff on. So I think it's a really exciting, really exciting thing that's getting built out. And uh, we're just starting to, we're just beginning really. That's a cool, yeah, that's a cool parallel with Bitcoin too. You got Noster as like a universal language for inter-application communication in the same way we have bitcoin as this universal language for money it just it gives us a firm equal i guess a a level playing field of some kind right at the base layer and that's just obviously so important for for freedom and everything else we've talked about what are like visions for the future for noster more broadly or dama specifically like what else can it do besides being a Twitter replacement? And what do you see it being used for down the road? I see, I think we're, what we're going to start to see is we're going to start replacing um, these centralized apps. So a good example of this is um, Twitch. So Twitch TV is a place where you can go and stream video games and things like that or anything. But again, it's one of these centralized institutions. If you'd stream the wrong thing, they don't like you, they'll kick you off. So there's no reason why you can't um, have a streaming service on, on Nostra where you're broadcasting your streams. Um, so someone's actually already built this. I think it's called zap.live or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and you can, so that's just one example. Um, so we're start, we're going to start to see people replacing all these um, places where you can be censored with their Nostra um, alternatives. Um, and so I think that's really exciting. Um, you know, I personally want to fix email because I, I use email so much day to day and I want to have a way to integrate zaps into email and things like that. So I'm also working on an email like client for, for Nostra. Um, so yeah, hopefully I think the main goals are just trying to take over the world. Um, just trying to stay humble and not get too ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, it's just start replacing these, these corrupt systems. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's yeah. anti-corruption technology is another 
commonality between Bitcoin and Noster. Um, really exciting. And it just came out of nowhere, man. It just blew up. Just all of a sudden, I mean, within a month, Noster was just such a big deal, at least in Bitcoin circles. I know it's still niche, but I think basically every Bitcoiner knows about Noster and, and interacts with it to some extent. So it's cool yeah, how quickly Jack, things can change. Yeah. Once Jack got involved, like in December, yeah, right. like, he was looking to fund some stuff. And then it's like, oh, what's this Nostra thing? He's a big Bitcoiner. So yeah, he honestly, a uh, big part of Nostra's success right now is just like, just the, he's been very generous with funding. He's been funding projects. He's funded Domus. He's funded Nostra. There's a Nostra fund where, you know, we, we donate, um, using Jack's money, basically donate to projects who are building Nostra stuff. So I think it's the most well-funded open source um, project area right now online next to Bitcoin's. If you want to make Bitcoin online and you just, just contribute to Nostra projects. Um, so that's yeah. super. And also Domus is hiring. We're hiring our first employee. So if you want to apply, go to Bitcoin or jobs. Um, so yeah, it's uh, exciting times. Awesome. Very cool. You guys are doing a conference. You said in Tokyo in November this year, what's, what's going on with that? Yeah. So this is our second conference. Um, our first one was in, Nost uh, in Costa Rica is called Nost Nostrica. Um, but our second one is happening in November, November, November 1st. Um, you can sign up and go hang out. You can hang out with us there in Tokyo or, or Hong Kong. Uh, just go to nostra.world. You can sign up there. Um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, there's lots of freedom loving people, just a lot of Bitcoiners. Um, and it's going to be a blast. So very cool. William, man, I appreciate you doing this and, uh, thanks for all your work. We definitely need these technologies if we're going to build a free world in the digital age. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah. So, uh, I guess you can, if you just go on Nostra, you'll find me. <laughs> I post a lot, uh, but I have a website, jb55.com. Um, my X profile, I don't, I don't post to Twitter that much anymore, but it was, it's jb55. Um, but if you want to find me on Nostra, you can just type in jb55 at jb55.com and that's my Nostra address. So that Nostra address will resolve to my bub key and you can, you can find me that. Very cool. Dude, thanks so much for doing this. Cheers. Thank you so much.